Hello and welcome Hawks fans, thank you for joining us on the eve of a very significant election as members decide upon not only the makeup of the club's board, but importantly the next president of the Hawthorne Football Club. It's between two candidates, Peter Nankerville and Andy Gowers, and we were delighted to have both of them join us on the podcast to discuss their respective views and visions for Hawthorne. You're listening to one of two election specials, and this one features our chat with Peter Nankerville as I welcome the other half of the Hawk Talk podcast. G'day Tiz. G'day mate. Yeah, it's incredible that we've got this access and um, it was great to be able to have these chats about some of the big critical moments that are are coming for the Hawthorne Footy Club in the next 18 months, five years. Um, Yeah, it's a very pivotal moment. It's a very intriguing time. A number of big ticket items, you know, Tassie, Dingley, uh, connection with members, First Nations players. There's no shortage of things to talk about and uh, certainly was an interesting and very insightful chat with Peter. Uh, Enjoy. Peter, good evening and thank you so much for joining the Hook Talk podcast. Now, the past year has been incredibly significant for the club marked most notably of course by the installation of Sam Mitchell as senior coach I was wondering if you could give us some insight into the club's key success stories over the past 12 months I should say Nick and Tiz thank you very much for having me on and I yeah delighted to to be on and I think um you're right um there's no bigger decision that a football club makes than to change coaches and uh and we took that bold decision to to change coaches at the end of last season uh, and for, for Sam to come in uh, and, uh, and in effect, look, look to remodel the football program. In terms of, and, and the question is a great one because, you know, we've, at, 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 at the club, in terms of the football department, they've had, or we as a club, have had our own measures of success and it doesn't just equate to winning on the field um, you know we knew that um, you know with the list profile that we had that it was going to be um, you know, to put a, to put it bluntly to, to to win more games than we than we lost but what we did is as a as a board endorse the football club and had me endorse the football department to to really um, articulate and then measure what what were the metrics of success. And I think that there's a couple that I could probably call out and I think that sort of illuminate sort of where where we think, you know, success, uh, team success is is, will will come from. We can talk about some individual successes as as well. So Mm -hmm. um, we... um, we went young, as you guys, as you guys know, and 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 we've se- selected on average, I think it's 13 and a half, 13.5 players, 23 or under through this through the home and away season, and that's that's the highest in the competition. That's a really big, um, you know, and uh, there are other teams that have you know 
age uh, age lists that are much older. So, but at, to, to to be at the younger end. Um, so when you do that, um, and, your, and, we, um, and we also we also saw them play in the senior side too. They co- co- correct. Well, th- and that's the that was my next point. We debuted eight players, mm. and that's the second highest in the in the competition in terms of um, debutants. All five players we drafted in the in season uh, 2021 at the end of the season um, played in 2022. So, and we, we've gone back and checked the records. We can't see that hasn't happened for 20 years. Um, and I think that from a quality perspective, um, what, we've, what we also uh, took as a, as, a, as a sign of success is that in, in the 23 and under cohort, we had 10 players with champion data performance rankings of nine or above. And the next team had five players in that group. So as you can see from those types of sort of team related metrics, you know, that's what we consider success to be, to get to getting those, those younger players into the team and getting and getting games into them. And then in terms of the individual, individual uh, successes, um, there were many, but um, I think you, you could see um, players like Dylan Moore. Who completely turned themselves a, a, around from a from a guy that was you know, potentially, you know, almost delisted us a, a couple of seasons ago to then become the player that he was. I mean, that hard tackling, um, small, uh, mid, or you know, forward was it was just invaluable. Um, and and his outputs were were incredible. And I think that was you saw that reflected in the. Um, in the best and fairest. So that's just an example of all, all part of the plan, Peter. Was it? <laughs> well, I, you'll, you'll have to get Dylan on and ask him. <laughs> Happy to. It's uh, it's one of those moments, though. It's a, it was a hard decision um, to delist or keep him on, and and you know I, I wonder how how much deliberation was there over the Clarko decision, and and how does that how does that work within the club as, and the board? How does that the the decision in relation to Alistair? Um, was was really was really difficult, and that those decisions are, are, are not taken lightly. Um, you know, I'm probably rolling back into in, into to, to history a bit. You know, but in terms of the the way that this all all came to pass is that um, uh, that 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 Alistair came to us pretty early in the piece and said, you know, um, would would we be renewing his his contract? Um, because if we weren't, he wanted to know, in, you know, in, so that he could he could plan his life out. So that that brought the decision on onto us, and that and that decision, that was a decision that you know it was a hard decision the board had to make, and we made that in in, in the context that we we believe that we had a succession plan in place, and Alistair, you know, was part of that succession plan, you know, in terms of bringing Sam back from uh, Western Australia. So Sam had, Sam had come back, back into our system, had taken on the, the taken over the reins at Box Hill, and so it was it was a plan. And now, it, in terms of how how it was executed, um, you know, there were it was clearly um, you know uncomfortable an uncomfortable time when you are exiting a, a, a senior a senior revered coach like Sam, 
like um, Alistair, pardon me, like a, a legendary coach. And then with, um, with Sam. But, you know, I think that in terms of, you know, whilst it was difficult at the time, I think that I think all Hawthorne supporters would be really happy with what has been delivered and what Sam has brought to the brought to the club and the senior coach role has just been remarkable. Well, we're enjoying the renewal of the football department, aren't we, Nick? Well, one thing I wanted to ask, following off the you know talking up the success stories, is. I suppose I was curious about some of the things that the board might consider still works in progress, maybe areas in which you might have liked to have seen a bit more done throughout the last 12 months, maybe some of the challenges going forward. Could you just speak to us a bit about those? There is always There are always challenges at a club and in a football department. I mean, I think that the one... One challenge that we have had is a premises challenge, and that is with uh, Waverley Park or Bunjilbagora, um, formerly you know a best of breed elite training and administration facility, an elite mm. training facility is no longer elite. Uh, mm. Far from it. Uh, if you guys have been out there lately, you know you'd see that for us to 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 be able to bring in an AFLW team. Was uh, we we had to sort of try to retrofit in uh, change rooms that it's not ideal, and I, and I think that that we want to as part of our commitment to our players to give them the best possible chance of success. So we think if you know, suboptimal facilities is you know was a cha- was a challenge for us. Well, we'll certainly get onto the um, the Dingley stuff. Uh in due course but I think one of the things that certainly none of the members could have possibly anticipated being a challenge for the club is of course the revelations around the treatment of First Nations players now given these revelations it started with Cyril Rioli earlier this year and the pending investigation of course into the treatment of First Nations players and families there are some who have suggested that Hawthorne no longer has a claim to the title of the family club What's your approach when it comes to that perception? The, the cultural safety review, um, you're right, has been has has proven to be uh, a challenging time for the for the club and the board and the players and our members, and we all we we are all hurting and and feeling that. But what I want to, as a leader at the club, is sort of step away from the commitment to the welfare of our people, uh, past and present, at the club. And if you ask the question, you're not always going to get the answer that you want. But as an organisation, we've got to be open and honest and take responsibility. Mm-hmm. So that sort of rolls forward. There is an AFL investigation. We're committed to it. Um, all the op- all to the extent that parties participate, they will have the opportunity to be heard and tell their ver- tell their version of events. I mean, for for. I mean, there would not be a Hawthorne supporter that would feel uh, nothing but utter sadness at the thought that Cyril Rioli is disengaged from the club and and Mm -hmm. at this day and and doesn't feel comfortable to come back. So that as a um, that's a a key um, step to be taken to help the process to get to get Cyril back to the club um, on. On his 
on terms that he feels comfortable with. Um, and, you know, and we'll, we'll all be working very hard to make that happen. Oh, I'd love to see Cyril back in the in the four walls and, and also uh, Clarko and, and Fags and there's so many um, parties in this. Uh, is Hawthorne, uh, would we be liable at any point? I know this is your ex- area of expertise and what are the ramifications for us going forward in terms of um, in terms of uh, being sued or, or the AFL might deem fit to uh, punish us in some way? Tiz, I've got to be a little bit careful what I say here. Um, okay. I'm, as, as, um, as one of the board members responsible for leading the club's response to, the, to, the, to these allegations and the AFL independent investigation, um, the, the investigation, um, as I mentioned, we're, we're committed to it, we're, we're, we're participating in it wholeheartedly. The the issues of, of sanctions, um, liabilities, you know, at this stage, I'd, I'd say they're hypothetical, um, and I probably that's probably as far as I can take it at, at mm-hmm. this point. The investigation, as you know, we're discussing, is ongoing, of course, and I think regardless of the outcomes, though, it's undoubtedly elevated cultural safety uh, as a prominent issue. What sorts of things are in place given given all that? Because uh, I think it is in part an election issue as well people want to know what sort of plan or or things are in place going forward i just wonder at this point if there are discussions or have there been discussions around that and if you could um, enlighten members as to what their what the plans might be going forward sure i think that um i think we've 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 come a long way um as a club i think and as an industry in the sense that I know from around 2017, uh, for memory, it might be 27 or 20, 2018, we actually implemented um, the first steps of our reconciliation action plan. Mm-hmm. So Sean Burgoyne, um, you know, took us on on that journey, and so we started as our, the first steps, and then we've we've since de- we've, we've since working up. And working out and developing that reconciliation action plan in, court, in accordance with the, um, our, our program, and that's that's um, and that's that's a, that's not just football department. That's a, like across the club. So we're all we're all committed very very much to that process. Um, the cultural safety review did cover off both past and current players, mm-hmm. and so we've. Um, we and and that that review did note that that culturally the the current players feel culturally safe. Now mm. that's that's not that's not enough. You know, you, we 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 have to we have to um, develop up our um, our our First Nations uh, programs to be um, you know, aspirational. That we're actually going to get better constantly and 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 evolve um as you know the expectations of that communities evolve and 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 you guys know you know as commentators on 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 the afl that the the afl industry is you know often leads these social you know initiatives Mm -hmm. and and i think that there's there's a real there's a real role for us to play i mean i think things like a general manager uh with responsibility for first nations Players and issues would be you know, a, a great a great initiative. Um, 
the ability to bring people onto the, onto the board in due course with particular portfolio responsibilities. Um, mm-hmm. may, it, it might the first step might be um, develop or broadening out the charter for our people and culture. Um, I mean, interestingly, organisation wide, we're actually already doing. Um, I mentioned the RAP, but we're also doing um, cultural awareness trainings and decolonization seminars mm-hmm. and the like. And this is this is from this is the whole organisation from from the board mm-hmm. through to the people in accounts. You know, it's, so so we, you know we've started the journey. Yeah, I, I certainly don't envy the the board after they receive that report. But I think I think you're right in trying to look at the opportunity in in this. Um this dark period, I think Hawthorne and the AFL industry really can make a big difference and they've certainly elevated a lot of people. Agreed. Now, transparency around that is excellent as far as members are concerned. Everyone wants to be clued into what's going on. Uh, we touched on this topic before. Um, Dingley. We're on the move to Dingley. Now, communication to members on this, I would say, in my opinion, has probably been a bit vague of late. Um, I think we hear with regularity that it's the it's the biggest, most exciting project in the club's history. It certainly seems like it. I'm excited for it. But I feel like the timeline has become a bit ambiguous in the eyes of members. So how's it all coming along? And when do the club expect to be actually fully settled in there? He's got a bit of a vested interest here. He, he wants to buy a house right near it, and uh, he, he needs to know. <laughs> He needs to know when to move in by. Mate, my generation, <laughs> not looking at houses. I'll tell you that right now. Well, Nick, it says I can let you in on a little bit of a secret um, that a number of our players are buying oh, in the in the. I no wonder we haven't got any opportunity. <laughs> uh, buying in the area just to the end of South Road so they can get on South Road and go straight down South Road, pick up the Dingley Bypass and go four sets of lights later, they're at... They're at at the KCC. So, yeah, it's this this project uh, began as uh, a decision of the board in 2013 that Waverley was not was no longer going to be the long term future of the Hawthorne Football Club because we realised at that point that the way that the the facility had been designed out, that we were capacity constrained with those, the houses around, the restrictions around lighting, the inability to play games, you know, even you know, sort of pro- pro- any practice matches. So so we started on that journey then and, and we, we identified uh, in 2014 um, uh, the, the, the site at Dingley, the 27 hectares, mm-hmm. and that was then, um, uh, that was purchased uh, negotiated and purchased in around 2015, in and then with a with a long due diligence period, because it was an it was um, part of the land is uh, reclaimed landfill, um, so the due diligence process was was 18 months long to make yeah, sure that, the, re- that it was. I remember it, going to the AGMs and they'd have a report on the soil, and that was very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we had to make sure it was fit for purpose. So the reason I'm giving you the background is that it's um, this 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 project has been so carefully managed every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And then the next the next sort of hurdle, but it was a the, we obviously knew that we had to do was this land is green wedge, uh, mm-hmm. in, and so we had, then had to get a planning scheme amendment through, 
And we, we, we were confident that we would get it through because of the, the nature of the, the use that we were applying. And so we, so we got that. And so that, that pushed it out. Then we hit COVID. And then, and then that, in terms of going out to the members and looking to raise funds, um, we, that, that we paused it. it, was the right thing to do. Since sort of we, we've come out of COVID, we did use that time to really um, refresh the, our, our thinking about this project. And that was driven um, principally by our commitment to our women's football programs. Mm. And so we, in our discussions with the three levels of government, made it very clear that we wanted to build not just an elite training and administration facility for our men's program, but we wanted to build a program, build a facility that would, would be um, elite and, and entirely appropriate for our women's program. So, so that, that meant that we did, we did redevelop um, our thinking. So where have we got to? We've got to a stage now where we are literally on the cusp of signing a building contract, and mm-hmm. um, and 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 my my expectation is that will happen happen very very soon. That would mean that with the builder committed and our signature on the contract, the timeline would see mid twenty twenty four that the Harris Elite Training and Administration Facility and the AFLW community facility open. So it's interesting at the moment, um, and we haven't necessarily had too much in the way of pictures of this out there, but we've actually started civil works already. So you can actually Mm. see, if you go past the land, you can actually see where the ovals will be and where the, um, the the, the elite training and administration facility. So it's, it's actually forming up. Mm-hmm. And really well, and so we're 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 super super excited about that, and that's we're talking about this is you know this is a, a real game changer for for our for our club because we're actually got to have we're going to have a place where we can actually all go to, yeah. And I don't know yeah. whether you guys have ever tried to park it like, but, <laughs> you know, it's pretty it's it's tough. So we'll yeah. you know we'll, we'll be able to actually you know have all of those family days, have all of the. Um, open trainings, you know, everything will, and people will be able to park and get there. And so we're, yeah. And that's, this is our stage one, because the beauty about having 27 hectares is you've actually got the opportunity to, to move to further stages. And there, there's another significant community um, element to, to the second stage or stage two, which is building a highball uh, arena and sports facility for basketball, netball, volleyball, mm. and the like. And at that point, we should also be able to bring in our uh, ancillary medical centre. So we'll actually have on site a medical facility as well. Wow, so these, that's huge. It's, it is. It's, it's so exciting. You're and I really, should just say, You're really yeah. developing that community around you as well. Correct. And I think that, um, and this is, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really want to stray into politics on this call other than to say um, it's amazing um, the vision of the board to buy this piece of land in the southeast, you know, with all that's going on around it in terms of suburban rail loops and chain of parks and and recreation 
precincts and the like. So there's no doubt, you know, we are absolutely in the right spot. Now, Peter, you mentioned politics. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> but I do want to talk about this idea of home because everything you mentioned about Dingley just there, it does give rise this, to this idea of home and everyone gathered under the one place, which incidentally um, will certainly, if anyone has any doubts about the, the family club mantle, that's going to restore that quick smart. But our home away from home, Tassie, there's, there might be a point coming soon where the state gets its own team and... What happens from there, who knows? But it seems as though Hawthorne's happy to have that relationship for as long as we're welcome, team or no team. Does that kind of sum things up from a Hawthorne perspective? Uh, y- yes, it does. And I think it. it uh, I'd go so far as to say that for 22 years, we've been playing games in, in Tasmania, Launceston, and th- that that has been a wonderful relationship a partnership with the with the state of Tasmania and the and the economic and community and tourism advantages for the for the state have um, have been incredible for us we've turned it as you guys know we've turned it into a bit of a fortress even you know our, you know our win loss ratios are, you know even as our our forms dip we've still maintained a really good uh, winning ratio down there so so the answer is you know, we, we will leave but we will, and we'll leave sadly and reluctantly, but everything comes to an end and we have to be respectful to the community that supported us uh, as they embark upon a initiative, you know, through their government in particular to develop a, a true Tasmanian team, which I think, I think is, as, a, as a foundation football state is wonderful. And 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 our board has um, endorsed wholeheartedly our um, the nineteenth team. We've communicated that to the AFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the we've actually got uh, a bit of runway here in terms of the or going into season twenty twenty three. I think the the team start you know, is being talked about for twenty twenty seven, might be twenty twenty eight. So for us to be able to have that time to to, to to look to find another major partner because Tasmania clearly won't be our major partner, but also to work with the stakeholders being the AFL, the state of Tasmania, and also if we play, if we play in the north, the, the city of Launceston, to see what can be done because we've got 8,000 members, uh, loyal Tasmanian yeah. members who... You, you can't just up sticks, can you? you you've got to... <laughs> They want to be involved with the club still, and and we and we and we want them to be part of the club. So we'll we'll do whatever we can to look to uh, maintain a maintain a presence down there, and that's our now what that precisely looks like in terms of playing games for points down there, or whether it's preseason camps, or whether it's um, mm. practice matches, or AFL W, whatever it's going to be, we'll we'll look to maintain that in some form. As I look at it, Hawthorne's revenue streams are becoming quite constrained. We've got to find a major new sponsor after Tassie. Uh, The pokies have been sold off, which was demanded um, about this time last year and was then followed through. Um, It just looks like financially 
Well, I don't know. When's that released? That's released before the AGM. Yeah, the, the annual report will be out. Um, I thought it was going to be by last Friday. I think it'll be probably Tuesday uh, next week. So there, that comes that comes out a, ahead of the... And I think you'll see the... Um, in terms of the, the surplus, as you can imagine, it's going to be significant having booked the sale of the two ven venues that we had, um, being... Um, the gardens and the Westwaters venues. So the, in terms of the, the bold decisions the board has made, selling those venues and, and moving, out, moving out of gaming has been done. Um, and I should say, you know, we started work on this a couple of years ago. You know, it's, mm. it, 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 these, are, these, these transactions were great outcomes for the club, but they just don't happen like that. There's a, there's a significant um, lead in. And, and, and the club and the management team executed brilliantly on those. But what that means is, you're right, we need, uh, our balance sheet will look very, very different. Our revenue lines will look very, very different. And the, the essence here is that the, those of us, and I'm a little bit older than you guys, that who go back to 1996. Oh, gee, we're mentioning 96. Oh, I mean, it's <laughs> it's in, indelibly ingrained in us that we, that, fina that the financial security of the Hawthorne Football Club is paramount. Oh, we looked invincible in 91, 92, 93 even, and then three years later, very dicey. I, I was at the game. I'm not that young. <laughs> <laughs> but, in terms of the, pardon me, the modern DNA of the club, we we have to be financially independent, and I that's that's as a leader at the club, that's that's super important to me. And I think the initiatives that we had to put in place are, the, are developing uh, a future fund or endowment we call we call it, where we actually do provide um, for the club in perpetuity. So we actually ring fence investments and we and and then say and then we look to develop and build up that corpus and and compound it and really put that aside to ensure that we ha we have um reserves and resources um that can see us through the good times and the bad and this yeah. is this is in the context as you guys know with the AFL and an equalised competition and a variable mm. funding model, so you, you 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 don't you don't want to actually have to, and the AFL don't want this either. They don't want to have clubs that are rely overly reliant on variable funding. You want mm. to be able, you know, ideally you get the rising tide and all the boats will float up. But we've actually got we we've what we've done. 26 years or so is is get ourselves into a position where you know we want to stay financially independent. Will we be punished for having such a strong balance sheet from those sales, or is that just? It's a good question. The I I don't think so because what we are doing with part of the funds is actually reinvesting back into the game, and by by saying that in terms of our of the Kennedy Community Centre project, that's a uh, that, that that's for the benefit of of the game because it's mm -hmm. for the with the, with the a, AFLW facilities. So the other the other elements of of um of the variable funding piece 
I mean, includes things like the stadium deals that you do, um, the the draws that you get. I mean, they 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 all they all go into the mix, and the AFL has its formulas. And I, so I'm I'm in, and it, and it does follow that you know when you're in the bottom, say quartile or the bottom six in the league that you play at Sunday at four o'clock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so these things are these 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 things are designed to to, to even out. Um, am I expecting the AFL to to like to to punish us for for restructuring our balance sheets to to get ourselves into this position? No. Now, Peter. Hawthorne fans, I feel, I, th- I think as a podcast, we have a unique position of always being plugged into social media and have our having our fingers on the pulse of, you know, what people are thinking in our own unique way. I, I feel like Hawthorne fans have an understanding of where the team is at under Sam Mitchell. I think we're beginning this build towards premiership success again. It's going to take some time. We know this. There's things we want from our team. We want wins. We want progress. We want pride. We want a sense of belief that we're headed in the right direction. That's all demonstrated on-field to the common fan. As far as off-field matters are concerned, what do you feel Hawthorne members want from their board? I think what Hawthorne members want is a... um a diverse, modern board that that represents um, the, the the wants and needs of the of, of the membership, and I think that the the diversity piece is incredibly important. We've got um, two really strong candidates uh, for the board, existing board members being Katie Hudson and and Anne Marie Palazet. Um, Katie on the finance side, Anne Marie on and uh, Dr. Anne Marie. Um, on history and traditions and also with, with her medical skills. Mm-hmm. And we're also looking to bring in another uh, female director. So I think that the, the diversity piece is really important. I think succession as well and having a really, um, well, I call it a bit the Hawthorne way, that you actually bring people into the club or, and people volunteer to, to serve and it's not, as we all, it's an honour to serve at a club like Hawthorne, and and though, and you go through committees, and you go through or coteries, committees, and you and and you you serve the club, and it's at, at that point that you whether you become a board member or not, um, it doesn't really matter. It, you, it's it's that it's that element of service. I think the other thing that, that I expect that off field that the members will want to see is. Having a board that is skills based, um, with the right experience, um, provide providing um, sort of continuity, and the I mean, with those big decisions that we've made, and we talked. We're not going to talk about foot. We can talk about football program again, but KCC, the sale of the game, they're all huge decisions, and to actually have the have the the, the, the continuity of decision making with people who know how the club works that's really really important because i think if i was to it's a cliche but a strong if you've got a dysfunctional board it's it it makes winning a premiership very very hard there's no guarantee if you've got a a highly functioning board that you will win one but (laughs) yeah but the but the, the reverse definitely applies now, Peter, we couldn't go this this call without mentioning Jeff Kennett. 
He had to come up at some point. Do you have a Twitter account, Peter? <laughs> no, I'm. I have a very, very small social media uh, footprint. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think LinkedIn is about the extent of mine. <laughs> <laughs> that might be music to some members' ears. <laughs> we, we know of Jeff, obviously. He's an outspoken figure, for better or worse. Uh, we know by now, at the at the end of his second run as president, what to expect from him. We know who he is, his personality, his general temperament. Members are much less acquainted with Peter Nankerville. So, what sorts of qualities are you hoping to bring to the presidency, and what would be your priorities? Well, I'm very different to Jeff. The, my my style is 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 much more a consensus style, and 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 Jeff is Jeff has as you guys mentioned two terms, you know, one of six years, one of five years, as an extremely you know strong president, um, and a, in in the sense that he he has that sort of executive chairman type type approach to the to the presidency. I think my approach would be a much more traditional approach in terms of. Um, um, what I would, uh, uh, how I would carry myself and, and, and the board. And I, I think that the idea is to, I mean, my approach is, is, is to, to seek that consensus um, uh, and then to act you know, clearly and deliberately on the, on the agreed position. And I think that uh, that's, I, I've been in my working life as a, um, as a lawyer and also in, 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 in business now, um, have been lucky enough to be in leadership positions, and I think that 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 consensus style has has served me well. Um, in terms of the you know what are my priorities, in it's sort of early early in the piece, and we've got those big you know those big ones that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. but I think that more more immediately, I think we we as a club have paid a bit of a price, and I think the industry did too, but I think the Hawks. For the last two years, and COVID, and eighty-one thousand members, you know, we've got to develop some initiatives to to engage the twenty-five, you know, the well, to engage the, our members. But as a starting point, I think there's over twenty-five plus um, supporter groups in the club, mm. formal and informal. And I, I could see, you know, I, I could see myself. And uh, another director or two, or and or CEO, just getting out and doing a lot of a fair bit of listening, just to hear what people have have to say about their club. And I think the, the and you guys you guys get it because of, of, of what you do and we you know, and and your commentary on the club is that it's an incredibly diverse, broad church, of, you know, as as an institution. Um, we, we have um, we have a remarkable array of, of stakeholders, who, and and no one is more important than anybody else, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's the way that you know I want I want the club to be um, to be regarded by its members, and I think so. I, I mentioned before, I mentioned about engaging with those twenty five plus supporter groups. Um, the, I think there's also the opportunity. Um, to actually to use technology, and we joked about it before, a, a little more in the sense that I think we've all become particularly, you know, a much more sort of Zoom friendly, or let's say, you know, the ability to actually real time communications from mm. the from the club 
through to the supporters uh, about issues uh, and with the with the opportunity to seek feedback, I think there, there there's some things that I would say as as sort of first up steps in terms of communication would be really um, would be really valuable to me because there's an enormous amount of hours that people volunteer on the board like yourself and have for many years, and unless you attend the AGMs, you don't see the impact of those people really. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a really good point, is because I think that I think that. Um, Getting to know the board um, a bit more and 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 what the the skills are, uh, I mean, I just like without meaning to turn this into an advertisement for my fellow board members, but I mean, we've got we've got board members who, um, you know, are, are the best in in their industries in in accounting, finance, law, um, construction. Mm. Fundraising, medical—I'm going to miss somebody. Uh, or, you know, <laughs> digital businesses. So these are the sort of people that we're all volunteers. We all love the Hawthorne Football Club. We do it because we think we can make we think we can make a difference. And that's that's a, that's that's as I said, it's an honour to serve, and we're you know, thrilled to do it. Now, in my research ahead of our chat this evening, um, it said that you're looking at just the one term spanning three years. If that's accurate, could you just give us a bit of an insight into your thinking there? Yes, sure, Nick. I, I think that the way that I sort of came into this uh, opportunity um, was that I, as a, uh, I wasn't going to offer myself to the board uh, or to the to the club to serve to serve two terms. I my I've been on the board for eight years. Uh, if, I, if I'm lucky enough to be elected as the president of the Hawthorne Football Club, that would make 11 years. And to my mind, that's, a, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the, the three-year term is actually, uh, from my point of view, I think it's um, a real challenge because there's so much that I want to get I want to get done and 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 seen through. I, w- I really want to get this Kennedy Community Centre up and going and and make and maybe getting into stage two of it and mm-hmm. and and see that through. I really really want to see the outcome of our exiting out of gaming embedded into the club. So far as the future fund and whether that's that could also involve some constitutional reform to embed those you know. Some liquidity protections into the so I, I'd, I'd like to see that through, and I think we all want to see what happens on the foot, you know, on the football team because so, I, I want to see I want to see Beck Goddard and, and and the AFLW team you know really um you know, what they did this year was amazing I want to see them absolutely continue to, to to develop and I think you know with Sam Mitchell and his coaches and the football team I'm. I'm of a view. It's not if, it's when. In, ter- in terms of, in terms of, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bullish about that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm on exactly the same page. Um, we need to talk about your opponent, of course. This is, after all, an election. Uh, the presidency is set to be contested between two Hawthorne people, two people who share a passion for this great club, this this brown and gold club, and who are vying to to push the team towards success. You and your opponent, Andy Gowers, you have that in common. That's great. 
where do you feel you might diverge in your respective visions for the Hawthorne Football Club? That's 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 a really good question because because I I mean I've met I've met with Andy and in terms of those those bigger ticket items I I I don't think there is a lot of I think mm. I don't think there is a lot of difference I think there's uh, I think it's about I think it's going to be about how we execute on them and I think that that we've got those uh, and I think that in terms of the incumbency and having the experience and the background on what to do to get these major in particular the building projects across across to the next stage I think that I think that that's a that's a positive in my in my favor to in terms of incumbency mm-hmm. but in terms of in terms of Andy and um, the, Haw- the Hawks for change sort of uh, model um, you know, I've asked Andy what do you, you know what are we doing wrong and what do you want changed mm-hmm. I mean there's not a lot in in terms of the fundamentals at the footy club I, I suppose that's something that me individually I was curious about um, that, that's something that through the media, for me, to this point, hasn't shone through. So I thought I'd pitch that question to you. One of the things Andy Gowers is critical of is our relationship and the lack of funding we received from the state government over the course of the last couple of years, and he sees himself as being able to nurture that better. I, I, I'd, I'd like to think that, um, uh, I mean, Jeff, you know, there's no doubt Jeff's you know, been an outspoken critic of the state uh, of, of, of the Labor government, I don't, I don't really want to buy, buy into the politics. Other than to say that our dealings with the state government have been incredibly positive, in, in, in terms of the government departments and those those areas of government that actually have responsibility for assessing the um, these projects, in particular the Kennedy Community Centre projects, and this sort of the civil um, and community element to this. And the fact that we're actually sitting in as a line item in the state balance sheet and in the contingency section for state funding, I take as a as a huge vote of confidence um, that the state will will look to support our will support our project personalities aside. When, when was Albanese out of the club, Nick? Was that <laughs> oh, last God. year? I think we've had a few visitors from both sides. Actually, <laughs> it's hard to keep it straight. I was out there when Elbow uh, came out there. And I was also out there when Frydenberg came out there. So we've had, you're right, they've both kicked footies out on the site. I'm pretty sure there's footage of Albo at the Corner Hotel singing the club song. I don't know if that was after a flag or something, but... He actually is a Hawthorne supporter. Yeah, Nick got a bit aggrieved when he saw him in a Geelong scarf. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I get it, but I still don't like it. Doesn't mean I have to like it. Uh, now, Peter, you're obviously familiar with the Hawks for Change platform and what they're about. They're a vocal segment of the supporter base uh, of Hawthorne members that object to certain things they've seen, heard, read over the last few years in particular. How do you go about reassuring them to stay on this path and afford you their vote? Oh, I think that the, 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 the Hawks for Change group, uh, I think are one, but one of many engaged stakeholders at the footy at the football club, and I think that they've they've demonstrated a you know a particular passion and a particular you know a way of you know that they want to approach um, the current uh, governance of the club the, with the the board elections and the and 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 the president elections, but I you know, I I think that I getting back to what I said before. I would dearly like to be able to to sort of sit down 
with the representatives from the Hawks for Change and hear them out as we as we can with all stakeholders of the club, and and to and to to you know to the extent they've got constructive suggestions um, and improvements and the like, we work together to to develop these out. Because it's a it's it's really an umbrella group, Hawthorne, isn't it? And it's just you know whoever wants to be part of it can be, and I just don't like the idea that we we have. Um, this kind of friction when we all want to make the club so much better. We don't want to lose the talent uh, due to, you know. Yeah, well, it sort of is. It's, you're right. It sort of it impacts the diversity piece that we try and build into the club. It impacts the skills piece we try and, and build into the club. And if there's one, one thing that I've learned from my time as a football club administrator is that, representative boards don't work on football clubs in the sense that you to have a board that represents particular segments of the football club you know whether it's past players whether it's a, a strong coterie whether it's this it just leads to your point leads to too much friction mm. you're much better to have that the the, the independent skills-based board pulling together so with objectives rather than agendas correct we're about to wrap up um we're headed for an election now peter those go one of two ways in the case of defeat what happens next what's your relationship with the hawthorne football club in the instance that that happens Uh, i think my relationship with the hawthorne football club will be like it has been for 55 years you know i i uh I, I I will lose myself in the in in the two hours of uh, or two and a half hours of football uh, on a set on a what is it Thursday Friday Saturday or Sunday whenever we play you know I, I, I I'm a I remain a committed fan and and I think that um, yeah my love for the club uh, my my passion for it will will be remain unabated. Which was the first premiership you attended, Peter? I attended 1971. You're quite young, I imagine. <laughs> I was only nine years old. Do you recall it? Yeah, I do. Because we were, we were, I was sitting so far up on the Olympic stand, it was like little ants running around. Oh, that's like the footage. <laughs> <laughs> now, how about this? 71 and at least a premiership a decade since. What a life. I know. Well, I think that, I mean, in all seriousness, you know, I think that in, in terms of the lottery of life, without standing too profound here, I mean, I think to be actually, you know, born and to live in Australia is, mm. you know, it's an, an, an incredible country and we're so lucky. But I think for, for those of us that are Melbourne-based or it doesn't have to be Melbourne-based. You can be a Hawk supporter or wherever. But for those of us that have come through mm. um, supporting the Hawthorne Football Club for for decades, you know, we we're we're lucky enough to support one of the most su- successful sporting franchises anywhere in the world in an equalised competition. We're, we're truly blessed. I think you timed your run magnificently. <laughs> <laughs> now let's get to the flip side, right? Let's say that it goes your way and you win the election and you take up the presidency of the Hawthorne Football Club. What excites you most about the prospect of leading the Hawthorne Football Club? 
I think that um, for, for me, uh, I've always been of the view that it's it's an it's an honour to serve, and and I think that uh, this is the and, and at, a, at a personal level, it it, it it it's it would be a huge thrill, um, you know, in terms of that uh, that opportunity to give back to the club that has given so much to me. Uh, that's you know, at a personal level, that's that's that that's that's really exciting. At a, at an organisation level, it's it's really um, to see some of those initiatives come through. But for me, it's ultimately it's about the people and the, to, to, to lead a team of, of people that I've got to know over, over in particular eight years at, at the Hawthorne Football Club who, who are so passionate and who are so committed uh, and who all want the best for the club. And I'm talking about, you know, about, the, about the management, about the staff, about the players, about the volunteers, just to, that's, that's really humbling. Well, Peter, myself and Tears would like to thank you for your time, most generous, and uh, on behalf of all Hawthorne members as well, um, thank you for your time and to, to have your say. Good luck for December. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Tears. And that's one of our election specials, Tiz. Uh, we'd like to extend once again a massive thanks to Peter Nankerville for uh, giving his time to, to chat to us and providing some insights and some interesting tidbits in terms of his vision, uh, his outlook for Hawthorne, what his plans are if he, if he is indeed elected president by the members. Yeah, it's uh, it, he, he has an answer for everything. Um, it was uh, I hope we got across all the issues and... Um, it came to me to bring up revenue, which thank you for that, Nick. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> always the dry stuff. No, <laughs> but no, there's. Uh, it'll be a very interesting election. Now, to our listeners, maybe you're uh, enjoying this via Spotify, maybe you're streaming it on Audible, or maybe you're enjoying the episode via Apple Podcast. Now, if that is your platform of choice, why not take a few seconds to rate or review it? Uh, we'd really appreciate that. Of course, we're all over social media. That might have been how you found us. We're a hive of activity all throughout the off-season. We'd love to have you on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It really is a community of the best, most diehard Hawk supporters out there, so get on board. Uh, lastly, a massive thanks to our proud, passionate, and paid-up Patreon subscribers. You very much help make this podcast everything that it is. You help us to put time into it week after week, even when it's the off-season and we thought we might have a little bit of a break. Not so! We're still putting in the time week after week so uh wonderful to have our subscribers on board who, who help make that possible patreon.com slash hawk talk pod if you want to sign up and score yourself some of that sweet sweet bonus content yeah so stay tuned for another hour of politics is that is that what we're going for nick <laughs> well i mean it's all important like i said th this could help inform your vote and inform the the new era potentially of the hawthorne football club so uh there is another episode available right now our chat to andy gow is the other candidate for the presidency of the Hawthorne Football Club. So uh, go forth and enjoy. And of course, we'll be back to uh, preview the draft, which is going to be very exciting indeed. Until then, we are a happy team at Hawthorne.